0: Of the Holy Spirit Amen. peace be with you, and with your spirit. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mystery. I confess Let us pray. O God, who in the glorious transfiguration of your only begotten Son, confirmed the mysteries of faith by the witness of the Fathers, and wonderfully prefigured our full adoption to Sonship, grant, we pray, to your servants, that listening to the voice of your beloved Son, we may merit to become co-heirs with him who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.
1: A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. As I watched, thrones were set up, and the Ancient One took his throne. His clothing was bright as snow, and the hair on his head as white as wool. His throne was flames of fire, with wheels of burning fire. A surging stream of fire flowed out from where he sat. Thousands upon thousands were ministering to him, and myriads upon myriads attended him. The court was convened, and the books were opened. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed." The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God.
1: A reading from the second letter of St. Peter. Beloved, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. This is my son, my beloved with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it as a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God.
2: Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord.
3: Praise to you, Lord Jesus.
0: Brothers and sisters in Christ, good morning. It is good that we are here. Allow me to begin by expressing to you my gratitude to all of you for your presence and participation in this year's Midwest Family, Catholic Family Conference and for being with us today to worship and praise God in the holy sacrifice of the Mass on this feast of the Transfiguration. I pray that your participation and our worship together will continue to inspire you, to inspire us all to live our Catholic faith in bolder and greater measures as we seek to be fully alive in Christ as his missionary disciples. It was Jesus, as you know, who from the cross entrusted Mary, his mother, to us and invited us to behold our mother the theme of this year's conference. May Mary, who is our mother and our Lord's most most faithful disciple, give us, as she does, her powerful intercession, her undying witness, and her motherly love and care as we follow her son Jesus. And where does Jesus lead us? Certainly to no earthly mountain, no earthly destination, but to the mountain of God's glory in eternal life, where with the Father and the Holy Spirit, Mary and all the saints and angels dwell, and where one day, God willing, we will also dwell for eternity. On that earthly mountain, Tabor, Peter was led to say, it is good that we are here. I've had the great privilege of visiting Tabor Mountain on several occasions. For Israel and the surrounding region, it is an unusually high and steep mountain, one that is not easily climbed. But when you reach the top, you can see for miles across the plains of Palestine. But it was there that Jesus chose to lead three of his apostles, Peter, James, and John, and in the presence, the mystical presence of Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, the great prophet, he revealed his inner divinity to them in an extraordinary experience. It was otherworldly. It was mystical in every sense of the word. And the reason for this lies in today's beautiful preface of the liturgy, which helps us understand why Jesus did this extraordinary thing and gave this extraordinary blessing to these three apostles. In short, to strengthen them, to prepare them for the soon approaching scandal of the cross. As they descended Mount Tabor Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, the location of the Paschal Mystery, where he would suffer and offer his life for the salvation of you and for me. Soon, their extraordinary experience would be challenged as they saw Jesus led away to be persecuted, to be rejected, and ultimately to be crucified that they would never forget this moment, which came back to them again and again as evidence in the letter that St. Peter wrote to the church. Having been filled with the Holy Spirit, himself having received that forgiveness of three times denying Jesus and three times professing his love for him, now going forth with the other apostles, save Judas, to preach, and to baptize in the name of the Lord until the end of their days to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ filled with that conviction that the reasons for this lie not here but in the life to come in the glory that they were given just a glimpse of on that great experience in that great experience on the mountain of the transfiguration and the church celebrates this mystery the fourth luminous mystery of the Holy Rosary, year after year, holding up before us the truths of this mystery and inviting us to reflect upon it for ourselves. My friends in Christ, we need, do we not, our own moment of transfiguration, our own moment to strengthen us for the path that lies ahead living in the uncertainty of our times, in the midst of the trials and tribulations of the cross that Jesus has asked us each to take up and to carry after him. We need more than any of us can know or comprehend our own otherworldly moment with Christ on a mountain to help us to see his divinity shining through his humanity, which for us on this side of the Paschal Mystery comes in the form of consecrated bread and consecrated wine. And this moment for us, what is it? It is what we are doing right now, celebrating the Mass, which is the supreme sacrifice, the, the renewing of the, the perfect sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. The Mass, I submit, is our moment of transfiguration that otherworldly experience and encounter in which we meet, if even for so short a time, the reality of the risen Christ. Let us not miss this or to dismiss it as only something that we have to do or worse yet to consider it as a merely symbolic ritual that when we complete it, we can go on and do other things that we want to do in our day. No, the mass is the moment of extraordinary power of incredible importance and necessity. If we wish to grow in grace and devotion, if we like the apostles descend from this mountain to carry on the mission of the church now entrusted to us, through our various vocations, through our states and stages of life. The Mass, especially the Sunday celebration of the Mass. It is for this reason and so many others that I want to remind you with greater urgency and greater encouragement to take to heart the third priority of our diocesan pastoral plan, which is to renew parish and family life by reclaiming Sunday as the day of the Lord. Sunday is the day that belongs to the Lord. Sunday is not my day, nor is it yours, to do with as we please. No, it belongs to God. And the Lord has commanded us to observe this day as it was intended by doing two things— The first is what we're doing right now, worship, worship. Worship is offering to God what is right and just. It's what we creatures are called to do to bring our creatureliness, our need for God, our love for God as creatures to the Creator, the giver of all life, human and divine, the author of all our blessings. We are called to offer God fitting and authentic worship by attending and participating in the Mass, not as something we just fit in or get done as easily or as conveniently as possible, but that, but as that which we do with our whole heart and our whole soul. The Sunday celebration of the Mass must be the centerpiece of our Sunday observance. Each Sunday, the Lord should find us making our way back to God as to a mountain, to encounter Him in His Word and in, and in sacrament, and to offer to God the gifts we have been given as first fruits of the good things of our lives. This offering we make with the perfect offering and the perfect sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. Nothing else can take the Mass's place, and nothing else on this day is as important or as vital for our salvation and holiness of life than the Mass. This is why, as your bishop, I am urging us as a diocese to make the Mass, especially its Sunday celebration, the most reverent and the most transcended experience of our week when we as God's people bring ourselves into an extraordinary otherworldly encounter of beauty and truth and life with ritual done reverently, authentically, humbly, and with sacred song that uplifts and inspires us, that transmits us as it did Peter James and John, on that mountain that transmits us to another place. There, to be on the mountain with Christ in God, surrounded by a cloud of heavenly witnesses. That's what happens in the liturgy, day after day, but in a special way on Sunday. It's a moment where the past, the present, and the future fuse and are united as one. And that must be, friends, the centerpiece of our Sunday observance. In addition to a worthy celebration of the Mass, there is one more thing I said that we must do on Sundays, and that's as little as possible. (laughs) Or at least to do only those things that bring us renewal to our tired and weary lives. For Sunday, since ancient times, is a day of rest. Sabbath rest, Paschal rest to do those things that unite us with our family members and our friends, that restore a balance in our lives, that help us reflect in silence and in conversation about what God is doing in our families. What's God doing? Where's God leading us? To take that substantial time on Sunday to be with God and to be with those we love. It's therefore incumbent upon all of us to refrain from unnecessary work. Now, some must work on Sundays, but they should choose then another day to find that Sabbath rest. And that's what the Lord commands. And to spend this day, the remainder of it, after the Sunday celebration of the Mass, to be with family and friends, to resist at all costs a busyness, a hectic life, doing things that we we really don't have to do, like shopping, or other chores, or other household duties. A, he- a family of my friends of mine from my years as a pastor are heroes in that regard for me. They, they made the conscious decision, raising their three sons, to observe Sunday as a day of worship and rest. And I recall very fondly and, and very inspiringly how they, how they reflected with that with me. And they consciously chose to do only activities that kept the family together. They did not allow their sons to participate in sporting events that took them away from their family. They would never allow any activity that caused them to use their credit card. Now think about that for a moment. That really limits us, doesn't it? But that's how they chose as a family to observe this day. By God 's commandment and I was so inspired, so impressed I'm convinced, dear friends, that if we live this way, so much of the increasing anxiety and our servitude to work and the busyness of our workaday world will gradually, gradually melt away, and we will be at peace and in control since we have taken the time to restore ourselves first in the Mass, and then in a significant measure of rest and relaxation. If this is not your practice, and we know that for many in our society and world it isn't, for a Sunday looks like any other day for most of our world and our society, a day filled with endless activities. If this is your reality, I urge you to reconsider, to examine your life, and to see where changes can be made. Because if you do, I believe with all my heart, you will experience something like what Peter, James, and John experienced on the mountain with Jesus, a moment of glory, a moment frozen in our minds and memories of a time when all things are new. And then you too will say from a heart that is rested in the Lord, that is restored and at peace because of God's grace, you will be able to say what Peter said, Lord, it is good that we are here.